Hi, welcome to Sidewalk Talk. I'm Steve Fortunato, founder of Shovel the Sidewalk. We're a marketing firm in Buffalo, New York. We work with uh, small businesses, help them build their brand, and we also uh, help create their, their advertising. Uh, we utilize authentic storytelling to help our clients. Thus, we have this podcast called Sidewalk Talk. It's an opportunity for us to, to connect with uh, thought leaders throughout Western New York and, and help them tell their story and, and connect with other people. And today is a really cool story. Mario Rodriguez is with us, president of Forsetti Protection Group. Thanks for joining Thank us. You. Appreciate you having uh, me. Sure, of course. Um, we were talking off camera uh, uh, earlier. So many cool things that I want to get to. A lot of stuff that sure. I want to get to. We also want to talk about the, the entrepreneurship and, and, yeah. and why you're doing what you're doing, uh, business-wise. But sure. so, active shooter and security. It's a consulting firm. And you talk about reality-based training. All right, there are a lot of things that you do. All right, <laughs> yeah. so try to explain to me what it is. What's your, what's your wheelhouse? Sure, absolutely. Um, so our organization is uh, headquartered here in Buffalo, New York, right downtown now. And what we focus on are people, process, and some innovation components. Uh, we often tell folks that we are a security risk management company and they're like, well, what is that? What does that mean? Exactly. Right? Right. Uh, so essentially, in short, we're a security consultant. We look at ways that we can incorporate people, process, and those innovations and how we can help better uh, secure your organization. Three niche areas that we focus on, we have businesses, whether they're ranked or non-ranked, non-profit, uh, schools, and then places of worship. It's an unfortunate reality that we face today. But uh, that is the area that we focus on to help as best we can. So what is it? So um, what is it that you will do for us? I know there's all these different surveillances we talked about. Yeah. All the you know, one thing I want to make sure we don't forget. I do want to talk about all the little things that make a big difference sure. too. But but sure. let's say um, school district A. Sure. Uh, explain to me what you guys would do for school district A. First first thought process is we're looking at how we can help. We obviously, and we talked off camera, one of the biggest things for us is that we are a local Buffalo-based community uh, organization. Our focus is our community first. We want to be able to positively impact our community. My kids are here, your kids are here. We want to make sure that these people feel safe, not a false sense of security, but give them the opportunities to be safe in their environments, regardless of where it's at. To your example, School District A. We come into School District A. Uh, New York State's unique because they use New York State SAVE as part of their training assessments and modules to get themselves prepared in schools. And we come back and say, well, what are we doing with School A? How can we incorporate some of these aspects from the SAVE model and then go through that? We look at anything from a risk assessment, vulnerability assessment, to actual training components. We look at communication. Uh, how can you effectively communicate between your staff, your stakeholders, your parents, uh, and even the public? What are you doing to incorporate that and educate these people as they go along? Give you those tools and, and insight to make sure that you're protected. Um, far too often in many organizations, they believe that, well, if I just check the box and I go through the motions to look like I'm doing something, well, we're good. The reality is, is that all of these folks know what the world is like now. They know what they're facing. And you have organizations that have individuals inside of them that have that fear. Well, we come in to alleviate that fear. We show you what you can do to empower each employee, whether it's your kid, how to have those conversations with the children. Uh, there's ways to do that that are safe environments. You're not causing trauma. You're not trying to negatively impact the community or those organizations specifically. And you enhance all those aspects that come along with the organization. 
we make you thrive in what you're focusing on, which is essentially your bottom line or in a school district, how to properly educate these kids to give them the best future. That's our goal. And so you, you, you I'll call it, you audit the situation yeah. when you come back with recommendations. Yeah. One of the things we're talking about is, I don't know if you can see this, Jamie. Um, this, this is a glass that has bullets in it, so it's obviously <laughs> bulletproof. Uh, so explain explain to me what we can sure what happens here. well first the uh, for liability nothing is bulletproof ah. so for liability purposes that's uh, gotcha. that's where we're at so it's called <laughs> bullet, bullet resistant but uh, so there's there's a ton of solutions now and again as I mentioned previously we look at innovation where can we use technology and where the world is going to be innovative in our approach to protect these environments we want to do it non intrusively we want to change uh, very little aesthetics if we have to. If none at all, it'd be even better. And then we incorporate these solutions to these organizations. So one of them is the film that you're talking about here. Uh, specifically, what we would look at is recommending an organization, depending on where their vulnerabilities lie and their threats, if it's applicable to their organization, is it necessary to have a security film on your windows that creates a layer of bullet-resistant glass that once you're behind it, nothing can penetrate. And to your example here, uh, our team was able to actually fire test rounds at this laminate as a demonstration. Uh, if you see the dates here, you have September 20th, uh, 2019, December, I think that says 10th, I can't read the marker here. Yeah, December 10th, mm -hmm. 2019. Um, and the ability of the, the glass and film is to stop the rounds. And so if you actually look here, yeah, yeah, Jamie, yeah. if you can take a gander, but the rounds are still stuck inside the film. Yeah. And so what that does is it shows you what the capabilities are on my desk on the other side, we actually have the shards from the, the, the bullet fragments. As they basically explode and they're not able to penetrate through, you see the actual fragments of the, the bullet round itself. And so what we try to showcase with this example, we, we actually did a demonstration on multiple levels and different organizations, one in Cleveland. But the point of it was, was to show what options are available. This is one solution out of many where the innovation comes in. We look at, do you need it first? And if you do need it, how we can effectively approach that subject with you, get you in under budget, make sure that you can achieve your budget requirements. And then on top of that, all the tax credits that are available through the government or any kind of insurance reductions that are applicable to your organization, if you qualify, we're going to try to achieve that through all this innovation with you. Is it, so uh, and you showed me this. Yeah, it did. Well, yep. Does this have to do with this or no? Yeah, this is the film itself. So uh, how you, does that make it resistant? It's just so the look at that. the best example. Yeah, the best example that I give um, is that just like your cell phone, you take your cell phone and you put that layer of glass over the top to protect your phone from it being dropped or any cracks. Same concept essentially. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more innovative. The technology is patented. It's different. But the point is, you put this behind the glass. And the innovation that's there allows you to achieve two levels, anti-intrusion, anti-theft, meaning no break-ins. You own a little mom and pop store, convenience store, drug store. Um, you can prevent anyone from kicking your door in or, or you know, getting anything done uh, from any break-ins overnight. You have that, that technology. Then you have the second layer, which you can go up to, which is the ballistic level. And this technology is able to achieve ballistics level between uh, UL level one through eight, which means it can stop a handgun, which you see here. Mm -hmm. Uh, up to a 50 caliber round, so it's pretty pretty impressive. So, um, you know, I recently the, there was a shooting down in Texas at a place yeah. of worship. Um, places of worship or something you can help out as well. Correct. But it is, I would assume, I know it took six seconds to take the shooter down. Yeah. Fortunately, he got two people before security took him down. I, 
I mean, could they, could, they, could they have done any better than what they did in six seconds? Well, first, you have to say uh, we're always playing Monday morning quarterback with these types of situations, right? Uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. We obviously didn't experience that. We never lived through that, um, especially you or I sitting here. But we use those examples of what has happened in those lives that were lost, whether it's in Texas or if you go to uh, California at the, the festival over the summer. You look at these examples and you're using them as case studies on how to get better, how to be effective in approach. So uh, the training guide that was created afterwards by many organizations that's available online now after uh, the shooting in Texas talks about what they could have done differently, better, or stay the same. And the reality is they did a really great job responding. Um, the gentleman that ended up uh, shooting the, the active shooter inside the church had to make that split second decision. As you just said, six seconds. That's all it took for two lives to be lost inside of that organization. So how do you combat that? What solutions are you looking at? Well, it depends on your organization. Uh, there's oftentimes in, in the security realm, you hear a lot of miscommunication that says, well, if you do this or you throw money at this or whatever have you, you're gonna be protected, you're gonna be okay. Well, that's a misconception. The reality is every single organization is completely unique, which means that your solutions are unique to your organization. Anyone telling you different, they're not giving you the greatest information. So what we do is we look at what is the best customized solution plan to you. You look at budgets, you look at how effective you can be, do you use technology in those components? In this case, for the Texas shooter, they used an in-house security team and staff for training. The um, hero of that situation was trained in his actual, uh, as a as self-defense instructor, excuse me, firearms instructor, and he had the ability to assess the situation very quickly and then fired around at a moving target nonetheless, but at a headshot at a moving target uh, from probably about 10 feet, which is pretty impressive. But what that boils down to is it comes back to training. They put their plan in place to have an in-house security team and those folks trained, whether it was on their own or part of the team from the actual church, they put those time and energy and effort to train and get prepared to make sure that never happened to them and didn't become victims. And that's the key. So for business owners who, I mean, they would, you would come in, assess, would you provide training depending on the situation? How, sure. How does that go down? Yeah, so uh, the big thing that we see today is that, um, you know, when we did our, our pre-talk is that a lot of things in, in the world now, active shooter and all the actual aspects that go along with it is a taboo subject. You can't talk about it. No one wants to talk about it. No one wants to address it. It's like, well, we don't want to, we want to avoid it. Let's, let's not bring that up because then it creates trauma, it creates fear, or you know, we can't just throw money at this because we don't know what it's gonna cost or it's gonna be an outrageous sum. Those are misconceptions across the board. Um, the reality is, is that if you take the right approach, you can empower every single person to have the skill set and mindset to make sure that they're safe in any environment that they go into. But when you're looking at the active shooter component and you're looking at training, training might be an option for an organization. Some organizations, it might not fit. I mean, that's probably rare, but you have to take that approach. You have to come in with an open mind and a third party objective um, and solution saying, what's the best opportunity for my organization to be successful long-term? And again, that's our approach in our business and why we're different. We look at the actual approach for business continuity, essentially. What you can do now in 2020 and that's gonna be successful for you so that you can constantly have that kind of ever-changing and evolving plan that will keep you up to speed, up to date, and continue to address the threats as they evolve. That's our approach. 
There's a, you've talked about technology, to, I, you yeah. mentioned to me earlier about <clears throat> drone technology helping yeah. you. Can you explain, expand on that? Yeah, so in 2020, we, uh, we decided we were going to incorporate a little more technology into our assessments. Uh, and so we are starting to use a drone in our, in our risk assessments. Um, there's very few organizations, not only in Western New York, but um, there's very few organizations throughout New York State that are incorporating the drone into the risk assessment. What that allows us to do is come in and we look at, we have our uh, extensive checklist that we go through as part of the risk that we evaluate. But then that gives us the opportunity to look at what else we're missing with the naked eye. We have the opportunity to look at your entire surroundings. Um, if we're maybe walking the property, we can look at your roof without actually going to the top. We can see what your HVAC looks like. Um, those are just examples, but the technology and innovation in the drone allows us to have some innovative components that we normally wouldn't be able to do with just the naked eye and just a generic walkthrough. So um, another, this is a small piece of technology and it's more on the, what you call personal safety level. Yeah. I would assume maybe, maybe you come into an organization that has a lot of salespeople that travel, Yes. right? Um, and talk about the hotel situation. Describe <laughs> sure. that, because that's scary. And, and it is. It's a small little thing. Right. Could save a life. The, the, Doorknob or the, the doorstop. Door yeah, stop. yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, there's there's so many little nuances. The biggest challenge for us is that um, again we talked off camera. Security is if you ask somebody what security is, they they have multiple different answers. Well, one person thinks it's bodyguards. One person thinks it's the guy sleeping at the counter, you know, on the overnight shift yeah. somewhere, right? Barney Fife. Right, right. So the the thought process behind that is well we want to change the landscape and narrative of security first what it is what prevention is and, and mitigation is that's first but then second if you're looking at people that are traveling we are a traveling nation we travel i mean continuously and especially whether it's entrepreneurs or business associates or just personal safety or excuse me personal traveling you're traveling you're going around probably more than we ever did in this country what we try to do is look at ways that we can enhance all the safety measures in a non-intrusive way so to your point, the doorstop. If you're coming into your hotel room, uh, as I was mentioning to Jamie off camera too, you're walking into your hotel room and you're walking through that door and the door, you, you walk in, you're like, my goodness, I got the, the executive suite. Here we go, right? And, and, and you're looking around and you're, you're, you're loving it. Except the fact that the door never shut behind you. So when you don't actually take those personal safety steps, well, someone you know, that has bad intentions just snuck in behind you because you never, let the, you know, you, you never shut the door. So that's one component we talk about, um, a little bit more situational awareness, travel safety. Uh, we enhance that, that's just an example. But then the doorstops. There's little doorstops that are mechanisms that are uh, anywhere between $6 and $8. You take them and you can put them underneath your door. Uh, we talk about this with uh, a lot of our people that travel abroad. When you're traveling, um, I had a friend that just was traveling in Guatemala recently. And uh, I bought two of them for her and here you go. You gotta put them on each door. Sometimes. There's, uh, you have the interconnecting door, yeah. right? And people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't want someone breaking into that door and getting through. Well, you, your front door of the hotel where you're staying might be secured, but that interconnecting door might not be. So you should have at least two of them on you. And you put them underneath the door, it's just like a regular doorstop, except there's a little alarm attached. And if there's, uh, the door breaks uh, the contact with the little doorstop, the alarm is just penetrating. And it will wake you up out of a dead sleep and it'll give you the kind of couple seconds that you need to have that awareness to get up and make sure that whatever's going on, you don't become a victim. You know, a lot of people talk about, I, what a, 
I just want to live my life. <laughs> sure. I don't have time for this. So sure. I know some of the things you teach in personal safety is when you get out of the car, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, what are, what are some safety tips, not just for women, but for all individuals, yeah. right? Um, yeah. It's... it's uh, I don't know if society has changed or we just have 24-7 coverage, so there's more, we're more aware of it. Um, but either way, what you're what you're bringing to the table are more safety options, right? Right. So, right. but but talk about if you can help us out with just simple things about the car. Yeah. Again, we're, our goal is to look at uh, security and personal safety from a non-intrusive standpoint. How we can make it as less inconvenient for you. If at any point in time, any security options or thought process is looked at as inconvenient, no one's gonna do it. Something as simple as access control. If I told you that you had to walk from point A to point B to the other side of the room, but there's a door in the way, well, you're not gonna get up and go to the other side of the room if you don't have to. And if you do, you're gonna be, you know, kind of bitching and moaning about it a little bit that you had to wait the 10 seconds to get through the door for access control. So. We look at ways that we can incorporate that, and one of the things we did, especially with realtor safety training this year, uh, or excuse me, 2019, we looked at how we can innovate uh, and look at situational awareness from the simplest standpoint. And so we incorporated 10 seconds into the realtor safety training. That's what we asked each individual, whether it was a male or female, what are you going out to do? Are you on a commercial property? Are you on an actual residential? And when you're coming out into that environment, take 10 seconds before you get out of the car look around, scan your environment, look and see is there someone staring back at you. Look and see if there's additional people that were never supposed to be at the original meeting with you and your client or prospective client and look at any kind of warning signs. If you have any of those red flags, if your gut instinct tells you you're not safe, listen to it. Find out what you can do. Sometimes it's internal policies where it's communication and dialogue you have to have. But take that 10 seconds because that could be the differentiator between coming a victim and going home safe. So prevention, there are sides that say, um, you know, um, some say we have we need gun control. Some say we need to carry more guns. Sure. Uh, sure. And some, what's becoming much more prevalent is the awareness of the mental health situation. Correct. Um, and it, you know, we're we're able to talk about it more. It's not yeah. hidden as much. Correct. Um, where do you where? I'm not going to get into politics, right. but uh, what is, do we, would, would some form of mental health, you know, can we, can we, can we stop some of these uh, through better care, uh, health care, more awareness of mental health situations? Should we all be carrying guns at all times? Should we all be <laughs> concealed or what, 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 sure. what, what's, what should we be doing here? Uh, to be quite honest, I don't even know if I'm qualified to answer that. But uh, personally, I, I think that uh, outside the business uh, standpoint, it's an unfortunate reality of where we're coming at as a society. Uh, regardless of what side of the aisle you find yourself on, um, you know, there's a lot of advocates for one way or another. More guns, less guns, gun control, mental health. Uh, they all play a factor, I think, at the end of the day into what is going on in society. To your previous point, the... Um, News now is at our fingertips, more so than it's ever been. It's instant. And so we see a lot of these things that are very um, politicized or they are enhanced and kind of just brought about and, and we have more awareness than we've ever had. So I don't think as society, as some of the governments and, and the control aspects, I don't think they've made the decision on which direction to go to. Um, sometimes it's the way the wind blows on one way and then they're trying to figure out, well, should we have gun control? Should we not? Should we arm our teachers? Should we not? Uh, and those types of things are, are 
um, what we kind of as individuals and society have to ask and be more involved in our communities and ask of our uh, elected officials. We have to ask more of them, I think, and have specific answers and solutions that they have to start making decisions. Um, there's a lot of gray areas and things that are people trying to balance that, that kind of uh, happy medium. But in the long term, that's not going to be successful, I don't think. I think the reality is, is that we have to make some decisions one way or another. And um, again, whether, whatever side of the political aisle it is, decisions just have to be made in order to be able to continue to enhance uh, our society and growth uh, for each other, really. So. You know, I hear the term soft targets, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, we won't name the franchises or whatever, but you go to a professional sporting event or you go to a big concert or whatever, mm -hmm. we walk through this thing. <laughs> I mean, seriously, sure. are we really safe? I, right. I worry about it in a movie theater sometimes. Yeah. Like, what's this person behind? I can't even see. Right, right. Are, are you, I suppose it's always been. We've always never really been safe. We have right. trust, but there's less trust now. I mean, are we, can't they do better than someone just walking through this little scanner? There's a, there's a ton of, uh, well, first, to your point, we have to do better. We have to do better, and that's why our organization's here and what we talk about and why we are out as much as we can be. Um, we do a lot of free things, a lot of, a lot of things that we just go to events and either try to sponsor or be part of and talk because we want to get that piece out there. We have to do better. Um, that's first. Second, to your point, yes. There is so many different ways that we can challenge these types of technologies now and what safety really is, again, without being intrusive, without actually changing the aesthetics of the environment. So, example, you're going to Ralph Wilson Stadium, uh, or New Era, New Era Field now, sorry. Uh, so you're going there and you're, you have um, the security scanners and magnetometers on the outside. While you're going in, you have a bottleneck of people that are just jammed, exactly. waiting at the gate, right? Exactly. Well, the technology now is the component that says, well, here's two scanners, we can have that, and we can have 60 people scanned in, in literally one second, 60 people can go through, and we can check and make sure that their person, their bags or anything, they're not bringing any weapons or anything inside, and all that technology exists. But when you go to these organizations and say, hey, I can show you how instead of buying a $3,000 magnetometer, we can do a $3,000 scanner and we can actually get more people through in less time, no one's willing to have that conversation. Why? The reality is, is that you're challenging the status quo. You're challenging what security is as, as the norm. We've been ingrained in ourselves to see these magnetometers at these sports arenas. That's the norm. That's what a custom. Well, if you don't see them, you're automatically going to think, well, I'm not safe here. And that's not true. So there's so many innovative ways that you can come back and have uh, these kinds of technology components incorporated into an organization. Same thing, movie theater. You can have those put on the sides. You can actually take the, magnet, uh, the, the scanners and incorporate them into some planters. You can incorporate them in, through that technology. And it looks like design. It looks like it's a beautiful planter in the front building with a welcome sign even. And inside of it, I can actually check you and all your, your uh, partners as they walk through the door and make sure the entire building's safe. But folks are apt to, to not have that conversation. So. Well, maybe this will help them have that I conversation, hope so. right? I hope so. We're yeah. talking with Mar Mario Rodriguez from uh, Forsetti Protection Group. This is uh, Sidewalk Talk. 
Mario is a, um, a South Buffalo native, so he's a Western New Yorker. Yeah. Uh, went on to Canisius, Canisius yeah. uh, law, law enforcement for yeah. more than 10 years, yeah. uh, yet had entrepreneurship in his blood, right? Let's talk <laughs> business. What, business, yeah. You made the leap. Congratulations. Appreciate Many years it. ago, business is going well. Yeah. Uh, could always be better, right? Yeah. We, we can all say that. And it's... Uh, it's not easy. It's tough. <laughs> sure. So why did you, you know, why, you know, you, you're in law enforcement, which is a uh, very honorable. And we appreciate your yeah, service. Thank, thank you. you for that. Um, why make the leap into, into this? Uh, I often joke that I wanted to uh, grow my hair and beard out. So you can see <laughs> that's what I was able to do now. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, for, for a long time I was clean shaven. And so everyone's asking, you know, when are you going to go back to clean shaven? I'm not. Not anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but no, I, I've always uh, I've always had this drive and passion to to really excel at everything that I've tried to do, uh, whether it was school, whether it was law enforcement. Um, you know, uh, those are the types of things that you see in entrepreneurship. The reality is, I never knew what it was. I never had an actual um, kind of way to harness all the energy and thoughts and and drive. And so, um, in 2016, I had the opportunity to take the leap here uh, to go to the business full time. And as I started diving into my personal passions, my, my ideas and concepts and really developing what we really can do for helping organizations and how to, uh, that really started to really thrive in me and, and started to show in our business. Um, entrepreneurship is it's, it's probably the, the uh, love-hate relationship that you have because you, you love doing it, you have a, a passion for doing it, you have a passion and drive to be able to help folks and then you hate it because uh, you know it's all on you some days and it's all on your shoulders and you know you feel like some days you're you're not even making any strides or you're putting in 17 18 hours and you're like why am i doing this well you know once you help that one person or you have that one client that writes a great note back to you or something along those lines then you remember why you're doing it and you see the joy in those types of things I, i'll give you an example I, again i work quite often we do as entrepreneurs but uh I was working late one night and I had a phone call on my, my cell phone. It was my daughter FaceTiming me. And uh, she's like, I think it was 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night. I was still here. And uh, she says, what, still at work? And uh, she's six. And I was like, yeah, yeah, daddy's still at work. And uh, she says, oh, why? What's wrong? And I was like, well, a lot of people need daddy's help today. And when I hung up the phone, I thought about that. And, you know, for me, I, I found my passion. I found what I'm able to do, what I love to do. And then I think about it now where my kids are the age where they can talk and tell their friends, well, my daddy's helping people. And, you know, that for me, it, it's, it's, it drives home the point. It drives home why we do what we do because, you know, as they get older and they're in these schools or they're in these environments, they're at the arena, they're at these places, they know that, well, if daddy worked with this group, hey, we're good, you know, or they have the skills that they can go and talk with their friends and give them some little tick, uh, trips, tricks and, and nuances that they can take back to just incorporate that on a cheerleading trip or, you know, uh, um, hopefully an honor roll society kind of thing or, you know, one of those groups. And so, you know, that's that's what it boils down to. That's what we do what we do. So, Piece of advice for anybody thinking about making a leap to, into entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, geez, there's <laughs> where to start. Yeah, right. Where to start. Uh, I think at the end of the day, um, you have to be 100% committed. Uh, today in this environment, in this world, uh, entrepreneurship is this, this glamorous thing. You go on any social media page, you go on Instagram, you go on anything, and it's like glorifying what entrepreneurship is. It's all about planes and cars and everything else, and it's such BS. 
At the end of the day, if you're not delivering a great product, if you don't believe in what you're doing, and if you're not committed to it, the fact is you don't deserve to be doing what you're doing. You don't deserve to go out there and help these folks. And you're going to end up closing up your business relatively quick. So the challenge is, you know, I was reading a story recently of uh, uh, Andy Frisala, um, who's a, a really great entrepreneur. And he says, you know, I, I challenge these guys. They're at a gym on a, on a Friday and they're talking. And the guy who has these entrepreneur thoughts and processes and he's saying, you know, I want to create this app. I want to do this. I want to deliver the best. I want to do it. And he's like, yeah, it's great. He's like, and then the guy started talking about what his weekend was like. What his weekend was going to look like Saturday and Sunday. And he was going out every single day. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're really dedicated, you're not going out Saturday night. You're not going out Friday night. And if you are, a guy like me, who's not going out on Friday and Saturday night, who's driving and making sure that I'm here before you, that I leave later than you, you'll never outwork me and my business will thrive long-term compared to yours. And that's the differentiator. You know, um, again, going back to someone like Ed Milet, who's uh, also in business with Andy. Christmas time, that was, uh, you know, I talked with Jamie during Christmas and they're like, well, how much time are you taking off? What are you doing? It was Christmas day and New Year's day, nothing else. And that allowed us to be able to be ready for January and January came, we've had six meetings in the last week that we had for prospecting all throughout December that we're going after to try to close in the next week. That's a differentiator. Those are the, that's what entrepreneurship is about. And if you're not willing to put in that time and sacrifice, this isn't the game for you, sorry. So. Love it, elbow grease. <laughs> that's it, at the end of the day, there's no magic. It's, yeah. it's not gonna be pretty, it's not gonna be simple. It's, it's hard work. I so. love it. Uh, you've, uh, entrepreneurship, love your philosophy. Appreciate it's it. about hard work. But I, I love your passion for what Thank you, you do. Appreciate and it. And it, it comes across. Thank you. Uh, for SETI Protection Group, uh, Mario Rodriguez, you can check him out online. You, the phone number, all the contact information is there. I appreciate you. I thank you for giving thank us you. the time. Appreciate it. Great tips for anybody out there. Love it. Uh, and um, that's it for this edition of Sidewalk Talk. You can check out uh, on any of your uh, apps that you want to download. We're also, uh, all of our um, podcasts are on, on uh, our website as well, shovelthesidewalk.com. That's it for now. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching.